0: City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Casey Fields. Have you missed me? I sure have missed you. I'm your Municipal Advocacy Manager for the Municipal Association of South Carolina, and welcome to a legislative edition of City Quick Connect podcast. Am I happy today? Um, I'm back with my partner in crime, Scott Slatin. Tell the people hello, Scott. Hello. Thank you, Scott. Um, we're also joined today by two of our colleagues, the boss man, Todd Glover. Tell everybody hello, Todd.
2: Hello, Todd.
1: Perfect. And Erica Wright, who is our ARP master guru, Sensei, just all together superwoman on ARP. Erica,
0: welcome. Thank you, Casey.
1: Um Today, everybody, we are just going to have a round table discussion about what has been going on with a r p um you 've got You got the dome last week and you were able to read about all the things that we 've been doing, but Scott and I wanted a chance to just get everybody together and really go through this. You may not want to read it, you may just want to listen to it. Scott, give me your thoughts about how last week and the weeks before i mean this has been going on since. Um, march April may earlier in the year, but we've had a lot of um a lot of action in the last several weeks so let's let 's talk a little bit about that first
3: yeah Casey of course, the American rescue plan uh, has been around since March or April of this year, and uh, a lot of states across the country have already received their ARP allocations and their cities and towns and counties have received those allocations including all 46 of South Carolina's counties and all of the school districts have received their ARP funds and 17 of the largest cities in South Carolina have received their funds but 254 of the state's 271 cities and towns haven't gotten their money yet because the state of South Carolina has not yet requested its funds from the federal government, and okay. in doing so, it has prevented cities, the rest of the cities and towns from getting their money. So on behalf of all cities and towns, we at the Municipal Association have been working for... A long time, all summer long, and, uh, very diligently here in the last couple of weeks, legislators, legislators, staff, the governor's office, encouraging them, pleading with them, uh, to take some action to pull those funds down. And so, uh, a lot of work has been done behind the scenes, but what we wanted to talk about in particular today is what we've done certainly most publicly, and what city and town officials across the state need to do now. So um, right, right. as you said, last week we had a flurry of activity, including a meeting with Governor McMaster and a another uh, legislative committee that met to hear from the Municipal Association. And I'll let Todd talk more in detail about what that meeting with the governor involved and, and have him talk about what uh, his testimony involved last week in the House Ways and Means Committee.
1: Yeah, let's let's go back first, Scott, if you don't mind. Let's go back to August the 3rd. Um, August the 3rd, just to kick off the month of August, that was when Todd testified um, in front of the Senate Finance Subcommittee. Are you cool with that, talking about that first and then kind of going through the timeline?
3: Yes, I like uh, sequentialism, if that's a word. I like to go in. You do. I think you just made that up. But all right, we'll go with that. That's a word. That's a word. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't know about that. Um, Todd, talk a little bit about, um, and Erica, jump in too. Talk a little bit about your testimony um, on August third in front of the Senate Finance Sub.
2: Yeah, thank you, Casey. It was, um, you know, it was a unique experience, and I, I think it was beneficial for us in that we were able to educate the members of the committee on ARP, Um, we we found out in our discussions with a a number of the legislature, um, members of the legislature that they were not all the way up to speed on exactly what um, ARP did and was. Right. And so we had the opportunity to provide them a lot of factual information about ARP and where we were as an association. I think the main benefit we received from that August 3rd meeting was we were beginning to pick up on what were the concerns of the legislature that that were really, we think, leading to uh, the state not uh, drawing down the money. Mm-hmm. So I think that was really the biggest benefit from that committee is we started getting feedback, and it allowed us to start addressing those issues one-on-one.
1: Perfect and you you did a PowerPoint presentation there that really outlined um really outlined everything that they needed to know I mean it was a great f a q Erica jumped in on several questions that they have. I think it was on premium pay Erica wasn't that right? Yes, that's right um so that that kind of started. The the conversation, or not really started it, but that started the public conversation, um, the official conversation in front of the Senate Finance Subcommittee. Where did we end, Todd and Erica? Where did we end that Subcommittee? Did they say, "We'll get back to you"? Thank you for the information. How did how did they approach that?
2: You know, it was more of just uh, thanking us for the information, and as you mentioned, we we provided a lot of information to them. Um, but it was clear um from us that there was a concern at least amongst that group, and I think it was pretty evident that that was a larger group than just the subcommittee that there was some concern over the ability of some of our smaller towns to handle uh the amount of money that they would receive from a r p and so we really. I guess they didn't give us any marching orders, but we took marching orders from that that we we had work to do to educate um all levels of state government about the abilities of our cities and towns to handle uh, ARP funds
1: right so then, after the August third meeting on August sixteenth um Todd you and Scott and Erica met with Governor McMaster um and several members of his staff about the arp money correct how did that meeting go
2: it was, a, it was a very positive meeting um you know we always have erica with us because she's our arp guru and um, right while scott and i can talk on the big points when it starts getting details and someone gives us very um detailed question we have to turn to erica for the answers and um but it, it was a positive meeting, and it gave us the opportunity, um, as I said, armed with what we were picking up with on the August third uh, Senate subcommittee meeting, mm-hmm. we we went in with information to go ahead and start uh, attacking uh, some of the misconceptions. Um, one large misconception was that if if any unit of local government misspends the funds, that the state would be responsible. For uh paying that back, uh, Erica, mm-hmm. with her contacts with Treasury, was able to get in writing from them that that is not the case, and so I was glad that we were able to to kind of nip that misconception right. right off the bat right um, You know the others that our small towns um can't or may need assistance in in handling these funds, and yeah. we just took the opportunity to point out that all levels of local government um misspend funds and it and it's not about right. um the smallest cities we have large some of the larger counties in our state have mm-hmm. have gotten in trouble with how they handle money and um there's already about 3 billion dollars on the street that came directly to our school districts our counties and our large metropolitan cities so Um, You know, just placing this on the backs of our small towns, we felt like was really unfair.
1: Right. And one thing that
2: one thing we got to affirm, Casey,
3: was uh, the governor's understanding that it's that he has the unilateral authority to request the funds be pulled down from the feds. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, he I think he asked rhetorically of us who has that authority. I mean, he already knew the answer. But we right. said you did. Uh, we, it. Right. We agreed right. with you and your staff that you have that authority. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that was probably something helpful for him. Now, it hasn't, hasn't yielded any results yet, but, uh, right. Right. you know, getting that assurance
2: from, from someone else is probably helpful to him. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and I think one of the things we found out um, from the meeting, and this is something that we've been talking about internally for a while um and Erica and Mike could speak to it in more detail. The the way the ARP is structured, um the state's allocation is divided into two categories and it's based on the unemployment uh rate. And we were concerned that the longer that we went without drawing down the money that our state may fall into the category of having to draw down in two tranches. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian Gaines from Department of Administration confirmed that at the August 3rd hearing that our unemployment rate now in South Carolina has dropped to a point where the state now has to draw down its money in two tranches. And when you consider that half of the state's money is $1.2 billion dollars, um We've essentially lost that opportunity to gain interest on that money for a year, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Even 1% interest on $1.2 billion is $12 million. Right. And, that's, um, that's
1: nothing to joke around
0: about.
2: Where I'm from, that's a lot of money. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> where I'm
0: from, too. Where I'm from, too. But uh, something else that happened in that meeting that I thought was very positive, Casey, was I believe that that was the first time we were able to sit across from the governor, from his staff, and highlight the ways that we are working with the state agency, particularly the Department of Administration. I right, uh, right. want them to know, and I, I believe our members know as well, but we want our members to know if we're not sitting by just waiting for the authorization to draw down their funds. We are working behind the scenes so that when that authorization is given, Uh, we can respond quickly. So we're partnering, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but we're partnering with the Department of Administration now, getting them the information that they need. And we were able to share that with the governor, share that with his chief of staff, and that was something that they had not heard of before. And so in addition to the activity that we're talking about, we're also working to get our, our cities and towns the money that is rightfully theirs as quickly as possible once that authorization is given. So we were able to to share that collaboration from us with a state agency that is directly under the governor's office. So I think that that was right. another positive.
1: I think that's wonderful. And I, did you mention, I think we've had, I mean, we've had a good amount of responses to the email asking for that information for administration, right, Erica?
0: That's right, and for those listening, uh, we have partnered with the Department of Administration to start preparing our cities and towns, our 254 non-entitlement units of government to prepare uh, to receive your American Rescue Plan dollars. And so what that is, is we have volunteered with the blessing of the Department of Administration to go ahead and start collecting certain information required by Treasury. So that's your contact information, who your city or town is uh, electing to be or designating to be the authorized representative, your tax mm-hmm. ID number, your guns number, and as we are collecting that, we are transmitting that to the Department of Administration. They are then using that information to populate their ARP portal to set up each uh, city and town with a profile, so that when that authorization is given, they can just press a button and that uh, portal shoots an email to that contact person with instructions on how to start drawing down their funds. And so we sent out the initial email on Monday. We are, are just under 100 responses, so it's good to see our wow. cities and towns are engaged, uh, and we're here to help. I know we received some questions about the DUNS number and what that is. We were able to help some of our small smaller cities and towns get their DUNS number. So. Just encourage everyone. If you're looking at that form and have questions, please don't don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're happy to walk you through it.
1: That's that is such a good example of how not a, a, a organization like us, we're not a public agency, can partner with a state agency and cut some of the bureaucratic red tape and really get that, you know, information straight to the people that need the information and then back to the agency to to really get this thing going. I think I think that's. I think that's awesome I think that I think that's great um, so then let's see last that was last Tuesday last um, when no last Monday last Tuesday was the meeting of the House Ways and Means Savannah River Site and ARP American Rescue Plan Appropriations Ad Hoc Subcommittee and Todd you testified again um, in that meeting, what were the differences between the Senate meeting earlier in August and then that House Ways and Means meeting last week? The
2: the biggest difference was, you know, we came in prepared. um, I don't know if aggressive is the right term, but we came in a little more aggressive in this presentation than we did before, armed with the Mm -hmm. information and questions that we had received prior, and so really took the opportunity to dispel some of the the myths that are out there. One, the, you know, that, um, if funds are misspent, that the state has to, to, to repay them. Um, and then we, we had a couple of, uh, of others that, that we dispelled as well. And so really more, I, I guess you could say we were more on the offensive this time, um, uh, right. than, than prior. And, Um, just really pointed out, um, I even took the opportunity, the Association of Counties, uh, testified just prior, uh, to me. And, um, he was very jovial and happy and relaxed. And I, and I just took the opportunity to point out, you know, the counties are happy and relaxed because they have their money. Right, um, right.
1: I thought that That was amazing. (laughs) I
2: mean, (laughs) um, Two hundred and fifty four of our two hundred seventy one members don't have their money and right. um, and I, I think one of the pieces that we haven't touched on and that I think is wonderful, and it seems as if there's going to be at least some some program from the state to match dollar for dollar or it match some percentage of investment in water and sewer infrastructure
1: mm-hmm.
2: and we think that's fantastic in fact. We mentioned that to the governor's office back in April um, mm-hmm. is something that we hope would be included. Um so that is a positive takeaway from this, but one of the things that we were pointing out uh this past Tuesday was that that is not the only expenditure uh that's eligible for the for the um funds. And so right. our cities have additional needs and while certainly we welcome the match program and and think that that is a fantastic way to to get um more bang for our buck in in our water and sewer infrastructure there mm-hmm. are other categories such as you know premium pay for for our frontline employees um you know targeting communities that have been hardest hit by by covid there's right. a, a you just just a number of other areas where that money can be spent. So I don't – I feel like we're kind of losing – we're losing time based upon that one expenditure category. And so our point that we were trying to make on Tuesday was Pass. pass the program, the infrastructure match program, but make it retroactive. Let our cities and towns mm-hmm. go ahead and have their money. They've been planning for this since March. And – so if they're already spending money on water and sewer projects that they can still take advantage of the match program, but they can go and start doing the other pieces that they've already planned to do.
3: Mhm. Yeah. And Casey, I think that that's another part of the, of the message that that we've been trying to get across to, we got across to the governor and to the general assembly is that, look, uh, you guys think we have plenty of time. We got lots of time to to access these funds. When, in fact, we've already had to wait since March for the the NEUs to get their funds, and even after the request is made to draw down the funds, you could conceivably see another 120 to 180-day delay before the Mm -hmm. funds actually get to those cities because Treasury has 60 days after the request to send the money down. I don't think they would take that long, but they could. Right. Then once the funds get to the state, the state has up to 30 days to get it to the cities and towns. But mm-hmm. then if they, don't, if they can't get it done within that 30 days, they get up to three 30-day extensions. Well, I mean, that's two. in the next year. Precisely. And so we've already lost, what, going on six months. And now we're potentially looking at another four to six month delay in getting the funds. Meanwhile, the, the $3 billion that's already out on the street that Todd mentioned is, is being spent and, and taking up capacity among contractors and other services that cities and towns are going to be behind. Uh, they'll just be in the queue. So mm-hmm. that's part of the education effort that, uh, that we've made this week as well. I don't know that it's resonated uh because the general assembly, you know, some of the conversations we've had as well, we got lots of money and we got lots of time, so why are we in such a rush? Right. Well, right. you know, 2 and 3 year timelines for, to spend the money come pretty quickly, especially in the world of uh of government procurement.
2: And and we know our cities and towns are frustrated, uh, as are we, about not having access but there was something that I even learned this week um you know we we were trying to point out to to the uh House subcommittee that there there's a a lot of reporting that our cities and towns have to do to treasury about their funds, uh and they have mm-hmm. to do that on an annual basis, but I didn't realize something this week until Erica told me um Erica talk about the the report that's due in October and that you still have to file it whether you have your money or not.
0: That's right. Uh, last week, Treasury held a, a webinar to walk through the reporting portal that was recently unveiled. And the question came up on the webinar, well, what if we haven't spent money or received our money? And the response was there will be an option or a check box within that portal that uh, cities and towns can check that says, I have not Spent or I have not received my funds. So there still is the expectation from Treasury that you will go in and create a report or file your report um, or at the very least check that you haven't spent or received your funds.
2: Mm-hmm. And to, to Scott's point about how long it's taking, you know, further out to get our money, I think the frustration is really going to hit. Um, <laughs> Is really going to hit when our cities and towns are having to file these reports and they haven't received their funds. Right. Um, And you know that's that's a tough blow when you're having to already go through the red tape and and you don't have your funds.
1: What else do we you know other and other than what Erica? was saying about the information that we have requested on behalf of the Department of Administration. That's definitely one takeaway that we really want to emphasize with cities. If you're one of the 254 that have not received their money and you have not filled out the form that you received in the email, please do so immediately. Is that, Erica, is that the message that we're sending today?
0: That's right. That's, that's very important. And I know that I've spoken to a few cities and uh, particularly small towns that do not have a DUNS number. And so we encourage you to please go ahead and register for your DUNS number. That information is on our website. It can take as quick, it can be as quickly as uh, 24 hours to get. But we are more than happy myself, Jeff, Charlie, we're all um, on standby ready to assist, so that is very important because you will not get your allocation without that DUNS number.
1: All right, tell me, and, tell us what that number is real quick before I ask another question. Tell me, what is that number and why do they need it?
0: Sure, so it's, DUNS is short for DUN and Street number, and it's the unique nine-digit identification number assigned to an entity, so in this case, cities and towns. And that number is required to register with the United States federal government for contracts or grants. So you cannot interact with federal money unless you have a DUNS number. And this number has to be valid or, or, uh, authorized every, uh, every year. So even if you had a DUNS number but have not used it within the last 365 days, you no. need to go ahead and refresh that number.
1: Perfect. That's what I was going to ask. What if I already have a number? What if I – can I just use my federal tax ID number? No, you have to have this number. That's right. Okay. um, Yeah.
3: uh, uh, Well, I was going to say, another thing that we are encouraging, the Municipal Association is encouraging cities and towns to do, is to pass a resolution uh, at your next council meeting, either prior to or soon after, the contact person uh, for your city or town registers with the Department of Administration. We want you to pass a resolution by the full council, acknowledging that this is the person that we want to designate as our official contact uh, for uh, for the ARP funds. Uh, this is important to councils to make sure that everybody is aware of the funds that are coming and uh, understands that the city is responsible for how those funds are spent because, as we talked about earlier, if a city or town misspends those funds, then it alone is on the hook for those monies to go back to the federal government. So it's really important that the entire council, mayor and all the council, consider this resolution at a council meeting to say, yes, this is the person that we are – We are designating as our contact and who is responsible for helping to administer these funds. But ultimately, the council and the mayor have to understand that they are responsible ultimately for how that money is spent according to the guidelines from Treasury. So passing that resolution is an important first step in uh, in acknowledging that responsibility.
1: Perfect. Todd, what are your parting thoughts?
2: you know i think we just we want the state to draw down the money um yeah. b- because of the administrative process that occurs after the fact um you know i think our cities and towns have in the past um, not received the allocations that perhaps came to the state
1: mm-hmm. and this
2: is the first time in history that the state can't by law change what these allocations are, and so, in the past, where it might be unclear until the legislature acted what our cities and towns may receive now they know right. um, and and so there's a process they know how much money's coming to them, they've known it since March, they've been planning for it, and um we're ready to go and um so again to to erica's point too. have everything in place um Mm -hmm. what we don't want is that we be pushing and pushing and pushing to draw down the money and then nobody does it
1: right Um, right
2: so (laughs) that's the main thing is is i would i I would say my closing idea is be prepared um we've been applying a lot of pressure to have this happen and and it's if and when it does, or when it does not, if um, let's do it um, because right. we certainly don't want anybody to say we well, y'all y'all push us to to draw down the money and now you haven't done it. Um, mm-hmm. So so get your DUNS numbers, get all of your your processes in place, and be prepared to do it when it happens.
1: Erica, as our expert on staff, what are your final thoughts for the ARP allocation?
0: Of course, I'm going to come in with a homework assignment. It wouldn't be me if I didn't. But, <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> and this one um, goes out. I know we've been talking about um, advocacy for our NEUs, but this one goes to our metropolitan cities. You have a report. Your interim report is due to Treasury this month, August 31st. And you should have already, your contact person that you have designated in that Treasury submission portal should have already received a link to access that reporting portal. If you have not received that link, you need to contact Treasury ASAP. Um, I am studying our team. We're studying that uh, portal user guide, but I do not have access to that user guide, so I share it with Scott. Mm -hmm. I'm studying the playbook for something I'll never see so that I can help as possible, but we don't want Um, August 31st deadline to come and go and you have not submitted your report. So if you have not had gained access to that Treasury reporting portal, you need to be um, waving that red flag right now. Um, And if we can help in any way, let us know. And lastly, I'm sure Scott and Todd will jump in on this. A huge shout-out going back to that House Ways and Means Subcommittee. A huge thank you and shout-out To Representative Gilda Cobb Hunter, who was a strong advocate for our cities and towns getting their money.
1: Wonderful. Just wanted to her. Excellent way to go, Gilda. Scott, you've been a little quiet this time, more than usual.
3: Hey, look! I know when to keep my mouth shut and let (laughs) let smarter people than me talk. Um, My parting thought is this: Casey, agree with uh, the shout out to. Representative Gillikov Hunter, uh, she came out of the box strong. Um, she came out yeah. uh, swinging on Brian Gaines. There, you know, for Brian, he he didn't have, you know, he didn't have a, a say in the fight, but um, she understood that, and I think he understood that right. too. But she's always been a strong advocate for local government. Uh, Representative Lonnie Hosey, as well, spoke up and and uh, encouraged legislative leaders to request the funds to work with the governor's office to immediately request those funds, which is what we've been asking for for weeks. We Mm -hmm. have been putting pressure on them, as Todd said, but you, the listeners, cities and towns, council members, mayors, y'all need to be continuing to put that pressure on your House members and your senators. Call them. Call the governor's office. Encourage them to immediately pull those funds down. Nothing bad is going to happen. By pulling that money down. As we've mentioned, the state's already lost out on a lot of potential interest earnings. Right. Um, and we need to we need to start getting some access to this money and have some we need to have some, some guidance as to when can we start making definitive plans. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've all been in a holding pattern and, and been making plans to spend this money, but it's hard to do that when you really don't have a, a, a timeline uh to sort of guide you. So I would encourage everybody to reach out to House members, senators, and the governor's office. Let them know how important this is to us. Let them know that it's, it's really not fair that everybody else has gotten their funds and, uh, and you're having to wait. So, uh, that's what I would uh, encourage people to move forward with.
1: Wonderful. Erica and Todd, thank you all so much for joining the podcast today. Um, Scott, as we have discussed so many times before, um, There is an uptick in COVID-positive cases. Um, We've kind of hit a a stopping point with vaccines. So I feel like that's because I haven't been on the podcast in a long time telling everybody what to do. So I'm going to go back to my normal sign-off, my regular sign-off since, uh, I don't know, spring of 2020, March of 2020, which seems like forever ago. Please wear your mask wash your hands, get vaccinated if you you so choose to do so, and socially distance from people when you can. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Take care of our children. um, And thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.